Well, good morning from me again. So it's the first Sunday of the new year, 2024. Uh, I don't know what you think about New Year's and New Year's resolutions. Um, I don't tend to make them myself, but I read some interesting facts about us as Brits this week on New Year's resolutions. Um, on average, this article said, people stick to their resolutions for about five months. Well, that's pretty good, really, uh, five months. But 11% of us last less than a month. 16% only go the whole year, keep to their resolutions. Well, personally, as I say, I don't tend to make resolutions. Though this year, I was talking to Kath, and uh, she said, maybe we do need to, maybe I need to, because she said, you tend to think too much. So you need to get on with stuff. You need to get things done quicker. You know, stop procrastinating if it's something to do with a house or maybe something to do with a car. And so I said, yes, all right, uh, you're, you're probably right. So I've agreed to do that. I'll, I'll try and stop procrastinating. But I think I'll start in April. <laughs> oh, I'm glad you got the joke. That's good. Uh, Kath doesn't think it's a joke, by the way. But no. <laughs> Well, whatever you think about resolutions, I think as we face a new year, the year ahead, as Christian people, of course, we can be encouraged by more than just human decisions and uh, resolutions and human hopes and words of encouragement as, as helpful as they can be. We're much more importantly, we can be encouraged, we should be encouraged, we base our hope on the Word of God as we've just been singing. And here in this opening chapter of the book of Joshua, which we've just read, the people of God are are on a, a new stage in their journey. It's a new beginning, in a sense. This sort of entry into the promised land. They've, they've crossed, they're crossing the Jordan, and they're going to go into the promised land. And uh, as they think of the way ahead of them, three times in just nine verses, God tells Joshua, and therefore the people, in a sense, to be strong and very courageous. So I just thought, we could look at this passage this morning and be encouraged ourselves. And I think the first thing we see here in this passage as we take up the story is that we can be encouraged by the purposes of God. Encouraged by the purposes of God. Just think for a moment of, of the situation that um, Joshua faced. The chapter opens, as you heard, with this, these words. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give you. Now, I can just imagine that uh, amongst the people there, there would now be doubts and uncertainties and questions regarding the purposes of God, the plan of God, now that Moses was dead. See the significance of that? Nearly all of these people had only known Moses as their leader. For 40 years, he was the guy who'd been with them. Brought them, of course, out of Egypt. But then this generation now, for 40 years, wandering around in the wilderness. If you were old enough, well, if you think on, in our terms, if you think back to 1994, if you're, if you're old enough to do that, until today, all that time, Moses has been with us. So... I can imagine that amongst the people, they were beginning to think, well, what's going to happen now? Perhaps the promises of God will never be fulfilled now. Moses was dead. Perhaps that's the end of it. What's this new guy going to be like? 
So it's quite remarkable that the very first words juxtaposed by that statement, Moses, my servant, is dead, God says, now then, you and all these people, get ready. Get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give you. You see, God's power and God's purposes are the things that He wants them and He wants us to, to focus on. God's purposes are not ultimately dependent upon us, upon mankind, upon Moses, upon the great leader, upon individuals or celebrities. That's not to say that men and women are not important in God's plans. Of course, we are. We are significant, but in the end, men and women are His servants to do His bidding, to fulfill His purposes. So the kingdom of God, God's church, doesn't ultimately depend upon us. God emphasizes His own sovereignty here in these verses. It doesn't come out necessarily in the English, but twice, I, I am the one, I am giving it to them, He says. The emphasis is on what God is about to do. Moses might be dead, but God ain't. God isn't dead, and neither are His purposes and His plans for His people. In fact, they're just about to begin in a new and a fresh and exciting way, as we see here. For 40 years, they'd been wandering around in the, in the desert, in the wilderness. But those 40 years were over at last. Now the time had come for them to take this new step to enter into the promised land. Surely there's a great encouragement for us as God's people there. There's a sense in which I suppose Moses, well, he was the great giver of the law, Sinai. But now that era under Moses of law and of disobedience and of wilderness wandering, that's passing away. And now a new leader is in place and uh, there's even better plans and purposes of God for his people. You could say perhaps that the better plans are signified in the name of the new leader, Joshua. Joshua's name means Yahweh is salvation. Uh, it's the Hebrew equivalent, of course, of the Greek name Jesus, Jesus, Joshua. He foreshadows the Lord Jesus and his saving life and his purposes for us. He provides us not only just with redemption and, and freedom from sin, but with the power that we need by the Holy Spirit to enter into the possessions of all our blessings in Jesus Christ as we face a new year, whatever that year holds for us. Arise, cross this Jordan, God says. Get out of the desert and move on into Canaan. You see, God's purposes for us, for the believer, is not to stay in the wilderness all the time, wandering around in, in circles with uh, defeat and no spiritual progress, no, no, his, his purposes for his people are Canaan, the place of deliverance, the place of fulfillment, the place of freedom, the place of victory over their enemies. Oh, yes, there, there are battles ahead, as we'll see if you read on in the book, but Joshua's encouraged in this first instance by the purposes of God. They haven't been forgotten. And so we can be encouraged for God's eternal saving purposes for us, Collectively, for you individually. Someone has said that the two greatest days of your life are the day you were born and the day you discovered why. Why you were born. Sadly, of course, we know people look for the reason why 
for the purpose in life in all the wrong places. Some are bad places, but some are not necessarily bad places. They're even good places. Relationships, family, jobs, sport, leisure, public service, and so on. These are good things, but the good is no substitute for the best. We are made for a relationship with God, and that relationship is possible through faith in Jesus Christ. Augustine said it well, didn't he? You have made us for yourself, he says of God, and our hearts are restless until we rest in you. That's God's purposes for us, to find our rest, our hope, our joy, our direction in a relationship with Him and an in increasingly deepening relationship as we set out into a new year. So, encouraged by the, the purposes of God. Secondly, encouraged by the promises of God. You see, the reason why the purposes of God are sure is because God always keeps His promises. If Joshua needed to learn what the purposes of God were, well, then he also needed to remember the promises of God for him because he stands at this moment of immense transition, new leader, new gateway into the promised land. And at that moment, he stands in, in need of all the grace that God can give him. And it's as though God says to Joshua, remember my promise. And what an amazing promise. Verse 3 there in that chapter. I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. It's like a refrain that goes through this entire chapter in the book. It's as though God is saying to Joshua, listen Joshua, feed your hope, feed your motivation, feed your enthusiasm on, on the purposes and on the promises that I give you. Promises that can never ever fail. Well, of course, it's not going to be easy for Joshua or for us. God sometimes has strange ways of fulfilling his promises. Sometimes our lives can be falling apart. We don't know what the new year holds. But God says, I'm keeping my promise. You can trust me. Sometimes the clouds may gather. Sometimes the storms break around us. They crash into our lives. But God's promise and purpose is sure. And certain, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. He's promised. He's promised to bless us. He's promised to keep us. He's promised never to leave us or to forsake us. Even when our lives sometimes might seem to be chaotic or in ruins, God's promises are certain. That's what Joshua is being told here. God can be trusted not going to be easy. There's battles ahead. There's disappointments. There'll be setbacks ahead. But God's purposes will be fulfilled and His promises can be trusted. Those who trust Him fully find Him wholly true. We sometimes sing. And there's a wonderful dependability about this God who promises. The gods, the gods of the nations around, the gods of the Canaanites, of course, they were not dependable. They were fickle, they were, they were not reliable, they were given to fits of temper, moodiness, they were hot-headed, they were bad-tempered, but this covenant-keeping God of Israel is utterly dependable. His word is true. His word is his bond. He'd come to Abraham, he'd come to 
Isaac and to Jacob. He'd come to Moses with all these plans and purposes. This is what I will do, and I will do it, he says. And in Jesus, in the new covenant, he says all his promises to us who trust in him are yes and amen. They are absolutely sure. So we can come to God and claim his promises for us. I googled just this last week uh, the promises of God, and uh, I downloaded a PDF of nine pages, A4, nine pages of the promises of God. It's good reading. Too many to go into now, but an amazing encouragement as we enter a new year. You probably had the experience, you know, sometimes when our children were small, uh, I would promise to take them out for a treat. When they were very small, there were five of them, and between us, Kath and I, we would try and take one out for a treat every, was it every week? Where is she? Every week, yeah, it wasn't every day, was it? No. <laughs> so they'd have to wait for their turn, and we'd take them out for, we were living in, uh, in Namibia, in southern Africa, so there wasn't a great amount to take them out to, but anyway, uh, we would take them out for a treat. Or sometimes just say, well, we'll play a game when I get back, or We'd make a promise. I'd make a promise. But then I'd come home late. Or there'd be visitors. Someone would turn up. Or, well, I've said in my notes, the weather would change. No, that's not true in Namibia. Uh, it was always pretty dry and hot. But something happened. And uh, I'd have to say, oh, sorry, Tom. I, I can't do it now today. And what happens? He just gives up. He says, yeah, okay, Dad. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> no, no. Um, I just feel this little hand pulling on my hand and that face and he'd say, but, but you promised, Dad. You promised you would. And you know you just have to keep your word, don't you? Your character depends upon it. Your reputation depends upon it. So, friends, how much more can we go to our Heavenly Father and put our weak sometimes faithless hand in his great hand and we can pull on that hand and we can say, but dad, you promised. Father, you promised. This is your promise. And this father always keeps his word. So Joshua is being told here, trust in God's purposes for you and now rest in God's promises for you. Go forward. Be strong. Be courageous. Don't be fearful. And then finally, I think here in the passage, we can see that God says, be encouraged by my presence, by my presence, encouraged by the presence of God. God says it in verse 5 and verse 9, just as I have been with Moses, I will be with you. It's like a signature tune. It's repeated. Actually, it's repeated. That sort of promise is repeated throughout the Bible. Every time God comes and addresses one of his servants, and gives him or her a task to do, he says, look, I'm going to be with you. I'll be there with you. Doesn't send us out on our own. And we can hold to the promise, the great promise, of course, the famous promise of the Good Shepherd. Nearly everybody knows Psalm 23. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. The promise of the presence of God because you are with me. No matter how dark, no matter how difficult, no matter how trying the circumstances might be, 
whatever this new year holds, no matter the obstacles, no matter the battles, no matter how fierce the opposition, no matter how you may feel about yourself or about stuff or your life, no matter what your mood might be, whether you're a morning person or an evening person, whether you're a glass half full or a glass half empty person, that doesn't matter. I will be with you, the presence of God. I will be with you wherever you go. It's the great truth of Emmanuel, isn't it? God with us. God with and for his people. It's hard to imagine, I think, any greater encouragement for Joshua as they were about to embark on this new step, this great enterprise. Moses is dead, but the purpose of God is not. Moses is dead, but the promise of God is not. Moses is dead. He's, he's, he'll no longer go with the people, but the presence of God will go with him wherever they go. Surely, friends, that's a great word to, to take with us into this coming year. And just in case you think, oh, that's just for Joshua. No, that promise, I will be with you wherever you go. I will never leave you or forsake you. That's repeated throughout the Bible into the New Testament. To all who trust in Jesus Christ, it's a great word. And how do we cultivate, how do we keep that sense of the presence of God day by day? Well, he tells us in the passage, keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written on it. Keep the word of God on your lips. Meditate on it. Develop this relationship with God. Think about it. Pray over it. Store it up in your hearts so that it becomes like the soundtrack of your life now for 2024. And then, importantly, be careful to do it. Be careful to do it. Because if we don't do it, there's a hollowness in our life and in our spiritual experience. Hypocrisy. Hypocrisy is bad for the... It's a bad witness to the world, but it's... Hypocrisy is bad for us, for the believer. It eats away at the reality, the immediacy of, of God's presence with us in our lives, in our experience. When you know, deep in your heart, that, that you're not walking the talk, there's that hollowness in your life. And the Holy Spirit is grieved. And that sense of the immediacy, the nearness, the blessing of God's presence is withdrawn. Friends, what we need, what I need, what you need, more than anything else as we begin this new year, whether individually or collectively as a church, is the presence of God amongst us, in us, by His Spirit, in increasing measure, amongst us, as His people. One hymn writer put it like this, you probably know the line, without your presence, King of saints, our purpose fails, our spirit faints. And here God promises his abiding presence to go with us. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. If I was preaching in Africa, I'd now say, you've just missed a great opportunity sh to shout hallelujah. I will, <laughs> I will never leave you nor forsake you. Actually, just a few we don't know exactly, perhaps a few days, weeks later. It's recorded in chapter 5 of the book of Joshua. He's preparing for this first great battle. 
that he has to lead the people, God's people. He has to fight this battle. You can imagine again the things going through his mind that night before Jericho. He's thinking about what's before him, and God meets him in his need. In that moment, the second person of the Trinity, the Son of God, he meets him with these words, I am commander of the army of the Lord. Now I have come. We could shout hallelujah again. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshipped him. That's all Joshua needed. Forget about the battle now. Jesus is with him, the commander of the armies of the Lord, and I have come. Joshua's not alone, no matter what he's facing. And friends, neither are we. We're not alone. As we consider the way ahead, the race of 2024, which we each one have to run, we do it looking unto Jesus the commander of the armies of the Lord, who has promised never to leave us, never to forsake us, our Savior, our great champion, our friend. So, be encouraged by his purposes for you, his promises to you, and his presence with you as we face a new year. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.